Saturday? What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon, Summer Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello, hello, hang loose, people. Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans will be joining us later in the program to talk news of the week and The White Tiger, the new Rumin Bakharani film, which is now screening on Netflix. But first, we are talking film festivals. Uh, this year, we had the Sydney Film Festival and we talked a lot about it, but what something we didn't talk about was the Yoram Gross winner for Best Animation, GNT, which is screening now very shortly at the Sundance Film Festival. And we have, which is screening online or two for the first time, and we have the Filmmakers behind the short, one of the three Australian entries that got into Sundance this year, Sarah Herner and Rosemary Vasquez Brown, joining us here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks Thank for you. having us. <laughs> so first things first, uh, yeah, you got you won the Sydney Film Festival Your Own Gross Prize, and now it's some it's, it's a hell of a thing to say you got into Sundance. <laughs> How does it feel? Oh my gosh. Um, very crazy. surreal, yeah. We thought it was the very end after like um Sydney Film Festival. We're like, this is our peak and we are so happy with it. <laughs> um and then Sundance email came through and we were speechless. Yeah. We were crying. It was amazing. <laughs> it was really cool. It's cool especially because it's our first film. So I think it's a huge surprise for us. Yeah. Very, very honored. And like every film that we love came through Sundance. Yeah. All of our favorite films. Even ones we didn't realise prior to it. Yeah. So it's the biggest, it's the launching pad for so many. And yet this actually came together. You're working on it as part of your honors project. Yes. Yeah. Thanks to UTS. <laughs> the best university. For dealing. <laughs> for five years, I can say that. Yeah. Well, no, we agree. UTS really, really helped us. I mean, we initially started developing the idea at UTS and then um, as a pitch Bible and then started um, making comics with the same girls and then thought, you know, we have... If we want to do an honors year, we could just spend a year dedicated to them. And we got so much feedback and input from from the tutors there that we never, ever would have gotten otherwise. So I think it was invaluable to us. Yeah. How's been the festival experience for you with Sydney and now with Sundance? Essentially, I mean, did you guys plan it otherwise or is it just happened to you? How has that journey been? Or getting into heaps of festivals, or um, yeah, <laughs> did yeah, we plan it? No, oh, we had we no didn't plan. plan anything. We just we knew we wanted to like submit it to lots of festivals, and we did to so many, and we got so many rejections before we actually got into one. And we were like, oh my goodness, this just means we have a bad film. But it was just being, <laughs> and, and then you won essentially. So I mean, you know, so you got accepted, and then you won. So it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, yeah, it was just being patient and waiting for somebody to see something in our film. Yeah, I and think I think also it's really hard when you're just out of uni to have a strategy um and to I don't know there's just not that much access to information or we found that at least it was really really difficult for us to even know how to apply where to go how to find money so um we just sort of started going for it and actually our festival strategy was pretty bad I think we would do it again. <laughs> we'd do it probably differently if we could do it again um but don't let that stop you too much. You know, if you're a student just out of uni, it's okay. Just apply to everything that you can or try consult people on a festival strategy. <laughs> yeah. But it worked out because you're in Sundance now. The premiere screening online will happen on the 28th, just a couple of days from now. But GNT, can you tell us about the film? Yes. Yes. GNT is a story about um, a friendship, I guess, and one that's outgrown each other. And it's 
really just about the contradictions of female friendship and the lengths that girls will go to, I guess, to validate our most vulgar curiosities and insecurities. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just it follows Glenn, our main character, on a very gross mission. Great name. <laughs> Got to give a shout-out. Is Glenn with a double N? Is your Glenn with a double N? It's, it's, it's not, but I'll, I'll, oh. I'll grant it. It's still a, oh, okay. still it's some a bit props. different. I mean, it's just with the one end is hard to manage, so I can't imagine how <laughs> difficult the two end Glenn would be. Watch our film. She's yeah. pretty She's difficult. Chaotic. <laughs> She's difficult. Yeah, we don't get it always a great rap, but I did like your Glenn. I, I, we really enjoyed it. And it's an animation. Where you, you put it together, and I noted you, I was reading an interview, did you put it together with Photoshop? Um. Oh my gosh! Yeah. We shouldn't have said that in an interview. Yes, a huge animation faux pas. We did. We did it all in Photoshop. We really love the Photoshop brushes, um, and we were students, so <laughs> we didn't give a shit. <laughs> Prior to that, that's all we knew, and we're like, stick to your strengths. So yeah. We also, we wanted it. the illustrative. We had a really illustrative style with the comics. We, we were making comics about the G and T girls before um, we came to this project, and. We were redrawing a lot of the comics in Photoshop or hand drawing them with just pen and paper. Um, and we really, really wanted to keep that style. And we couldn't, for the life of us, recreate it in any other program. So we just made life difficult for ourselves and decided we didn't want to compromise on the style. Yeah. I mean, animation is an interesting choice anyway because it doesn't really get the recognition it deserves. Firstly, it's a short, then it's animated shorts. You already are a very niche category. <laughs> How did you feel? That did, you, did you feel that you guys might be sort of difficult to get noticed because of that? Or was it actually a strategy which worked in your favor because it's like, hey, there are not many that good animated shorts anyway, so people are going to notice if it's good. Yeah. I don't know if we thought about that beforehand. Yeah, I don't think we knew it that much because it is our first film. We, weren't, yeah. we had no expectation of what, or even that it was going to be a minority, I guess, within the film yeah. industry. And I think also we we came to it from a very different angle. We had um, a, an intention for it to be a proof of concept for um, a larger a larger project. So really, we had to condense it into four minutes because that's what we could physically animate between the two of us in a year. Um, so I think it was not super intentional from the get go. But like we love animated shorts and we watch so many animated shorts. Yeah. Um, Especially when people have such attention spans, like short attention spans these days. Yeah. I think it's content that you can just like, yeah, get in here pretty quickly. <laughs> just consume it. Rosemary just did uh, eating action when she said that. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Uh, yeah, we, we love it. We don't see enough. We try to catch as many as we can every year. And I'm curious how you feel about the animation scene in Australia and also broadly in Sydney. You're part of a wonderful collective read to me, which I enjoy going to see at Knox Bar, where graphic artists screen their material and um, get it out there and yeah how do you feel that the scene has developed or changed or evolved over the past few years in Sydney? Um, yeah everyone's just getting so much more talented and so much of that is like I hate to it's from UTS a lot of the artists that I see coming out. <laughs> I hate to promote them too much. <laughs> UTS, yeah no but like oh I don't know maybe it's just like I'm in a bubble or not because but like everyone that I see coming out of UTS is so talented and has like a, such a distinct voice on their own and I love all the films that come out of it. Yeah, and it's no coincidence that Finn and Gabe also both teach at UTS. Yeah, <laughs> who run Read to Me, so... Yeah, but I think a lot of the graphic artists that are at Read to Me are not 
from UTS um, or didn't go through UTS. Nor are they animators, yeah. Yeah, but it, it does lend itself to animation, those Read to Me uh, events, I think, because it's it's kind of like watching an animatic or something when everyone's uh, talking through their comics. And mm. if you've never been, it's a live comic reading. So the images come up on screen and people are talking through what's happening. So it really feels like an animatic or a proof of concept kind of table read thing. Um, and it's so inspiring. Like every single time we go there, we're like, holy shit, we need to make more. This is the best. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned uh, because usually Sydney gets a bad rap about a community side of things because Melbourne is all the community for film people and film snobs. <laughs> so I'm glad that Sydney has a community, which is not something that gets mentioned quite a lot. So mm. did you feel that that community side of things has helped you in terms of reaching out to the right people and just, you know, motivating you to keep motivated and trying out new things? Yeah, for sure. Like, I think there's a huge animation community in Sydney. There are so many animation studios here and a lot of them are producing really, really amazing work. And even beyond that, I mean, all of our or a lot of our friends are in um, the animation industry and freelancing and all of the work that's coming from them is also mm. the stakes are so fucking high. Like, yeah, they're really sought after. Yeah, we're really lucky that we are part of it. Like, um, I don't know if it's like accessible as or like easy to find from if you're not within that group at first. I don't mm. know. It was just lucky we stumbled upon people from Read to Me and UTS was really tied into that, and so yeah. it met everyone through that way. And and UTS has a good structure uh, yeah. in that way. I think that it really, the university kind of forces you to meet people and work with people that are close to you. Yeah. Um, and like that's how we met. So. <laughs> It's really, really helpful. Um, yeah, it's really helpful to find a community of artists or, and and keep them keep them close to you if you can. I think it felt like high school. Honestly, it was like yeah. just being connected not, to the same hundred shitty. people. <laughs> yeah, for a whole but year. no bullying. All like minded people Much actually. Yeah. A whole high school with all like minded artists. Yeah, and weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> the dream. We're living the dream. Yeah. yeah. Now, we, we've talked a lot about the animation student in Sydney, but I'd, I'd love to jump back to the film. Um, obviously, it's here to court. It's great, not just for the animation, but what it's talking about generally. I'm wondering how what you feel has hit a chord with the viewers in the Sydney Film Festival and the Sydney community, obviously um, struck a tone with Sundance and how you think viewers in America and certainly other Australians as they come to uh, find out more about it in the next little while can relate or engage with it. Yeah, I think... Um... The thing that maybe um, catches people first is probably the style and the colour. It's like minimal colours, you know, red, pink and white and black. And so I think that catches people's eye and not many people have said or people have said that it's pretty, quite rare to be um, that bold in colour choice as well because it's hard to focus, but it actually lends itself to our animation in that it helps you follow the action. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think also people... I think people relate to it on a character level. Yeah. At least that's a lot of the feedback that we've gotten online. Um, I think it's unusual for women to see other women being so gross <laughs> and just uh, very shameless in True. their contradictions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was initially essentially theft. We just were having these conversations <laughs> with our friends and then decided... Oh, we should we should put this into characters. Um, but yeah, it's all inspired by real conversations. And we really do uh, validate completely abnormal things when we're with our friends. So I think that's what a lot a lot of the audience is relating to. Um, 
I don't know how it'll hit in America. I hope it still hits. I hope they still like the pacing. Um, we heard that um, apparently Thrush is called Chips in America. Yeah, which we don't believe, by the way, Yeah, because we've like, heard Thrush before. Exactly, but I don't know. Uh, they, yeah, they seem just to get it so far. Yeah, just know it's a yeast infection if you're in America. Yeah. <laughs> so it is hitting in America on the 28th. And the, the film, not the infection, by the way. Oh. <laughs> Being very clear. We don't need to <laughs> cause any more pandemic, like, it's panic. It's definitely already there. Everybody has Don't worry. Them. Your vaginas are safe. Well, I don't know. Pee after sex. They're probably not safe. Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> so, how, how do we catch it? And more importantly, what's next for... Sorry, God, terrible phrasing. How do we catch the movie? And uh, what's next for the movie? I'm just going to spell out now. <laughs> you can so, watch the film if you want to find out how to catch the rush. You can, yeah. That's actually part of the movie. <laughs> um, but you can also catch it in Sundance, um, in the short films program, um, the animation short films program specifically. It is geo-blocked in Australia, so please plagiarize it. No, I'm joking. Um, so yeah, it will, it'll be hard to access in Australia, but if you're in the US, um, you can watch it online, short films program. Yeah, and once it exits the film circuit, I'm sure we'll... Um, we'll post it online. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think the marketing campaign is waiting to happen. Hashtag catch the rush. <laughs> it's like going viral. Please. At least the campaign, if not the rush. Yeah. You can start that. We give you permission. Yes. <laughs> Ready first. <laughs> and, and, how, and how do we how do we follow you? Where do we find you? Where do we Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, Instagram. I'm on at Rosemary Glenn. I'm at Sir Gross, like a captain that's gross. And Glenn for you is with two N's. Yeah, Rosemary Glenn. Glenn. Like version. <laughs> yes, yes. Version. <laughs> or you can you can look um you can look up G and T on Vimeo. Um I think our account is Sarah Rosemary and we'll post it there one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this has been so great. I'm looking forward to seeing the movie again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and good luck for break a leg for God it's still incredible. Sundance premiere. Yeah. Thank it's an international you. premiere, is that? No. Oh, we've been in a few uh, yeah. scenes, but... I'm sorry. They're popular now, Glenn. You know, they're big shots. It's <laughs> okay. It's far from the international yeah, what am I saying? Exactly. It's not... This is like one of many. You know? it's like <laughs> just sun dance. It's probably like the Utah premiere, maybe. I don't if know. If we had a festival strategy, it would have been the international <laughs> premiere. <laughs> we dumped them. Just, just like central, central Western America. The Red, Robert Redford premiere. It's his yes. first time seeing it. Yeah. There you go. Hey, Robert. Uh, yeah. Hey, Rob. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And welcome back to Film Fight Club, where we are joined by city filmmaker Chris Evans. Hey. Freelance writer and critic for Rotten Still here and surviving. And myself uh, from Falcon Screen, Glenn Falcon's Nine. So that was quite fun. We had Rosemary Round Vesquez and Sarah Herner talking all things GNT, which we're screening at Sundance. Please excuse my phrasing. It was, it was quite a fun interview. Yeah, you can catch the film. Never gonna live that down. Uh, yes, yeah, so and so um, yeah. Speaking of news, of the week and things that are happening around town. Oh, so just read to me. Um, let's Sarah. Rosemary were talking about you can catch that at Knox Street Bar over in Chippendale. It's a lot of fun. I've been to the last couple. Not sure what the next one is, but. Keep yeah, you can, you can meet actually famous filmmakers at a normal bar down the street if you're in Sydney. <laughs> and the other thing I really loved from the interview was the fact that they talked about the community aspect in Sydney, which doesn't get a good rap. It's usually the Melbourne Creek clique, you know, which is all about everything else. But yeah. So, yeah, so keep an eye on what's going on over at Knox Bar. 
Um, speaking of news of the week, uh, the Environmental Film Festival Australia is streaming online. The Polish Film Festival Australia is happening in Sydney and Melbourne until the end of the month. The Sydney Film Festival continues with the One Car Y retrospective at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Also at Dundee Newtown, where most of the screenings will be after this weekend, it continues until Valentine's Day. No, 18th of Feb, actually. Oh, they've yeah. extended it because yeah. due to popular demand, lots of new screenings being added. Well, I always make Valentine's Day a big four-day event, like a Poon Husby and Petalon. So, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, Chris wasn't wrong. If you're alone, you still have some way to go. Moonlight Cinema is happening in Sydney, as is um, Westpac Open Air Cinema, and uh, also the North Sydney Open Air Cinema. In addition to that, the Australian Silent Film Festival is happening at the Mitchell Library on the 30th. First, and Flickfest is happening right now. I caught the the premiere this year over Bondi Beach as a socially distanced, fun open air event. A lot of events happening happening in the Spiegel tent. Uh, it was very nice just being out in the open air. Saw a few very good films. One great one from New Zealand about the spirit of the All Blacks, even if it wasn't predominantly about the All Blacks. Something I appreciated. There's a lot of films being made at rugby, but something indirectly focusing on a subject I very dearly love. I thoroughly enjoyed. There's also a very good film by Will Ferrell, starring William Jackson Harper, um, of Good Place fame. He plays Chidi. And yeah, quite a few films I enjoyed. There are sessions that are repeating throughout the next couple of weeks. Um, animated shorts, Love Bites, um, and Australian shorts, national shorts, EU shorts. I go every year. It's well worth catching before the festival goes on tour around the country. Another thing to catch um, in light of the public holiday yesterday is Cooked, a new series um, about Australian history, an animated series which is playing on ABC iView now. But for the moment, we are talking about a Netflix release, which is The White Tiger. It is based on the Booker Prize winning book by Aravind Adiga. And it is um, written and directed by Rin Bahrani, the director and writer of a very underrated film from a few years ago, 99 Homes, in addition to a number of other features. Um, I do recommend you check that out. It's one that kind of went under the radar and shouldn't have. This is starring Priyanka Chopra, Raj Kumar Ray, who played Newton in the film of the same name, a film we talked about a couple of years ago and very much enjoyed, and Adams Gaurav. And it is about, uh, broadly speaking, as I said in India, it is about a driver who has grown up in poverty and wishes and aspires to escape that poverty. It is told um, in first person, character breaks the fourth wall a fair bit, and um, as we were told at the beginning of the film, this is the story about how he goes about doing that. Before we get into our thoughts on this film, just to note, I know, look, this is a bit of a tooting our own horns, but I, something I really like about the show is that sometimes when it's a film that gets a lot of praise, we can say no, with something we don't especially like, and the other way around. Sometimes a film uh, doesn't do very well, we say no, this is a film we love. And I don't think since we reviewed it a couple of years ago, has there been something just so universally praised, which I just don't, I don't think any, not only any of us vibe with, but is, and we're just so, no, this film doesn't deserve this level of, lauding really well every second episode these days i go on a rant about how critics are out of touch and the critical establishment is usually wrong um in this case i'm not sure that i'm so divergent i i you identified me as the favorite um for this film <laughs> uh, it's you know i loved it the most of all of us and my take on it is that it was basically mediocre but there was something entertaining about it even though i felt it was clumsy in a lot of the execution um, but uh, why did you guys hate it so much? I didn't hate it. I just found the aspects of, of what they were trying to convey culturally as well as 
pure narrative storytelling and biopic adaptation to be at best basic and often just lousy or even to the extent of mediocre. I, there, there's a bit in the second act, which I'll get into, which I enjoyed. Otherwise, I couldn't really highly recommend this film. So this film is about a servant, essentially, um, who finds his way in with a rich family. And then gradually um, in India, he's from a lower caste um, lower, yeah, and gradually yeah. Uh, finds himself more and more incensed at the inequality and the doorways that aren't open to him and becomes radicalized to an extent. Essentially. Uh, well, part of the problem of this, I've read the book as well, the, the movie is based on... I can see how this will work great as a book. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, it's a very pulpy book. I mean, when you read it as a book, there's something happening. It's a lot of drama, mystery, intrigue. And it has a lot of, you know, throwaway acerbic lines about culture in India and everything else. But the problem is, when you transport these lines written in the book verbatim into onto the screen they just come across as stunted and kind of laughable. It's very hard to take them seriously. You know, it's the lines like, there are two Indias, one of light and one of darkness. And mm. it's, it's very hard to buy into that world when you have that kind of dialogue and narrative. It, it did strike me watching this that this film has a lot of the hallmarks of a bad or lazy literary adaptation. There's a lot of fast montages to give this kind some kind of cinematic energy, which are just illustrating voiceover lines and... Whenever a film feels so tied to a text-based source like that, I think no matter how much energy you try and inject in with the editing um, or flashy shots, glitziness and, and pop songs, um, it still feels like it's not taking life cinematically, like the scenes haven't really been imagined afresh. To be clear, there's such an inconsistent approach into how information is conveyed. The characters break the main character breaks the fourth wall a number of occasions, but it's not for a particular form or purpose. It's just when they need to quickly convey some information. And there's, there's a great deal of told through flashbacks. It's very annoying seeing a character tell at the beginning, this is my story, this is how I did yeah. it. We've seen it so many times. And there's a huge amount of just here's some background information you have to know. I will now explain it to you where I think half of that could have been cut and could have just been imagined afresh as something that's conveyed to you through action and dialogue that you watch. Um, the worst thing about this for me, and I don't know if this was enunciated in more detail in the book, but a hugely consequential element of the story, which there t is teased throughout, is essentially dealt with in an epilogue. It's the most interesting part, and I wanted to hear more about this. No, uh, so that's probably the worst part about it. The, the things that happen, the film meanders for so much of its middle, that when the resolution and the climactic act and the epilogue, the things that usually happen in the book and the resolutions are very different from the book and the film as well. So that's also a very interesting thing. The film deliberately maybe takes a very different route in trying to show the protagonist in a redemption kind of arc where the book is not as kind towards him in terms of... And basically the book is mostly about the making of a criminal, whereas the film is not even about that. The film becomes this kind of class oppression story, which the book is not about. The book is mostly about... Uh, essentially a very acerbic take on Indian society, uh, which the film becomes this kind of, you know, a, a hero's journey, kind of a rise and break through your uh, kind of, you know, what you're given and rise above that. Well, one of the big failings of the film for me is that it's trying to show you from this person who is accepting an unjust society that is what he's born into to being a person who's going to be really proactive and take drastic actions um, in a, you know, attempt to raise himself to individual glory. 
Um, and there, there are several steps along this journey that are illustrated, but over this meandering narrative, it still feels very sudden. The moment he just suddenly has an epiphany and changes. Yeah, I, like, I, oh God. I don't feel like the groundwork that was laid there was enough. And on this, we talked about it. We, we actually talk about this a lot. This is all told through a metaphor, which is at the center of the, the title. Maybe there's something that's teased out more in the book. It's, it's just so, so useless in the film. And yeah. Oh, it, it, it's that I have this moment now. People love, and I, I've talked about how I like to flick a festelia, but there's a. A couple of the films that were on there, I didn't enjoy as much. And there were the films that went for this cathartic moment of aha and this identification moments of audience. It's something that's great to put in a trailer. This film has several moments like that. It's a feature-length movie. Take the time. But Rani demonstrated how well you can tell moments, show moments of epiphany quietly in 99 Homes. 99 Homes was much better handled yeah. than Exceptional. this. Yeah. And that, that also featured some extraordinary character shifts and was about somebody fighting against yeah. his class and society, social role-based position. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, part of the problem in the film is it feels like he's doing a favor to his uh, Columbia undergraduate mate, Adiga. So Barani and Adiga were friends from Columbia undergraduate days. And kind of this feels like, oh, I can't veer too much away from the text. He's otherwise my friend will feel bad. To, <laughs> I mean, maybe. maybe. It's hard, Be it's hard to know, right? It, it's what weird. The, the inconsistency really bugged me because a major factor in the book is the religious dogmatism which the character is rebelling against the book is about how religion is used to oppress people and keep them in their place the film doesn't even talk about that no. so you know it's it's weird maybe it is the the world that netflix india is operating under in in, in a very right-wing government so i mean there are political undertones there where right they maybe they don't want to okay. don't, don't do it but i don't know all right so this the the one analogy in the film I did actually appreciate was the one about the chicken coop talking about yeah. how um pe how people often find it difficult to break out of um, cycles of out of poverty or out of a, a social strata. The there is a lot of very blatant commentary in this about the Modi government. I remember when um, Modi was elected, he talked about. Um, the middle class talking about things like a toilet in every home, a bank account for everyone, and the film is a direct commentary on this. As an Australian analogy, very broadly speaking, um, think of how it's battlers back in the 90s, but it's a very different social context in India. I wish the film had gone into more detail about this. It didn't. I think that it taps into a lot of interesting stuff in society, but for such a multifaceted society, I feel a film like Newton, or one we referred to earlier, while dealing with only a small corner, certainly a less populated corner of India, gave us a much broader idea of uh, the diversity of um, social stratification and poverty and how people see themselves and view themselves thereof. I agree. I mean, that's the other part about it. I mean, Rajkumar Rao is made to look so silly in this film, but it's ever-changing American accent, which he's not comfortable with. And this is the one thing I don't know why people force... Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'm happy the, the actors have been successful, like Irfan Khan, for example. He was always speaking in his natural accent in well, whichever film he's been in. He just never decided to do any accent and it worked fine. So I feel like, you know, actors should know their limitations and realize they don't have to do an accent just because they're of, you know, you know, they're playing a character in that sense. Priyanka Chopra, she's fine. She's very comfortable doing an accent because she's lived in the US for such a long time. And she's basically playing herself in some sense. I actually think the... Yeah, the, that character you referred to, um, he had, for me, the most interesting conflict, interesting arc in the film. The problem, I agree. The problem for me with this, from a basic narrative storytelling perspective, 
The film gets interesting, as I said, about an hour in, in the second act. A very extreme event happens very quickly. It leads to conflict. It leads to a new dynamic. It leads to we don't know where this is going to go. A good story tell, a good storytelling, a good script would have got to this point 20, 30 minutes in max. You they brush mean, over it when it comes. Yeah, it happens. I'm fine with the event happening quickly. It's certainly of that nature. But the fallout from it is dealt with very fast. It's this, it the skill been. of storytelling. Know which parts to accentuate. Know which parts the audience is interested in. Know exactly. When, know Ad- when to play that interest. You know, so, yeah. so this this is just following the book structure. It could have been adapted into a much different way just to know which parts are dramatically more interesting. And that's what the film fails to do. It also just goes for a bit of a needlessly irreverent, ironic tone. Um, just like these moments of these flashy music cues to you should feel pumped now. You should yeah. feel identify with this guy. I, I didn't, I, I appreciate there's a line in the film, which I think they wanted to people to relate to more where there's not the slumdog millionaire-esque story, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think there's no, I, no million rupee prize is going to save us from the system or something like but that. But it jumped, and while I like that film more, it just jumps over um, great narrative strands when it could go into detail, just like Danny Bell did, what, 12 years ago now. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, I'm very surprised by the critical reception for this film. I don't know what the critics are saying, actually. I think it's basically competent and it hits the social, political, uh, um, ideological notes that uh, people want to praise and yeah, watch. Yeah, but it's dramatically uninteresting. Right now. It's dramatically uninteresting. I know, though. but that, that's almost become like beside the point. Like, it's dramatically competent. <laughs> competent okay. is enough if you're, if you're doing something that we like politically. But that's wow, that's okay. the way that the critical establishment seems to be working these days. I agree, but um, so I'm saying we seek better, and certainly Bakhrani has delivered better. He can last. do better than this for sure. That is the White Tiger. It is now streaming on Netflix. Flickerfest is happening now. Um, Sundance is screening GNT. Cooked is streaming on ABC iView. Um, check out the Wong Kar Wai perspective of the City Film Festival as well as a number of open air cinemas. We'll be back next week talking Pieces of Woman, which is also streaming now on Netflix. There's been Glenn Fowling, Chris Evans, and Brighton Nehru. Stay tuned for the Sonic Assassin. Have a wonderful night. Stay safe and enjoy movies. Good night. Bye. Bye.